So I use the app uh, Letterbox quite a bit. Do you know what this is? Have we talked about this? Uh, a little bit casually, yeah, yeah. I think okay. You've, uh, either it's... talked or like shown me, like you send me screenshots from it every now and then. I think. Oh right, right, yeah. So uh, Letterbox is a cool thing you can use if you watch a lot of movies. It's basically like a social media uh, service that is like entirely movies based. So I just kind of use it. I don't, I don't journal, but I have a couple of different apps that I use to like track things that I do, which is. I really like because it, it actually, I think the thing that people say about journaling that is like cool is that it helps you remember like your life because otherwise like you can kind of like you, you can kind of like look back on like what you've done and be like, what did I do? And like and yeah. journaling can help with that. And I've tried doing that and haven't been able to keep up with it consistently. But I, I use a couple of different apps to like log like board game plays and log uh, movies that I've seen and stuff like that. And Letterboxd is what I use to, to log movies. And I really like it a lot. And um uh, this morning, I was, I saw a tweet from someone asking, like, has there ever been a, a, a best picture winner that was your favorite uh, movie oh, of like the year? Oh, like the one you actually like, enjoyed the most that year? Yeah. And so I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to look back and I'm going to just going to see. But one of the nice things about the, because I, I have kind of gone back and I've logged as much as I could think of every movie I've ever seen. I, I don't give them all star ratings and reviews and stuff, but like. But I do. I will like if I see a movie now. Like I've had this there for about for a couple of years. Like if I see a movie now, I will kind of log it and say like this is how many stars I give it. This is like a little c- couple of like thoughts I had about it. So I can remember can remember how I felt about it. But then I've also gone back and tried to put in every movie I've ever seen. Like just just to so to to know that I've seen it basically. And so I I could actually go back and like click through the years on this app and figure out. You know, like, 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 I can actually look and see every movie, as far as I can remember anyway, every movie that I've ever, that I've ever watched in, in a single year. And, and I can, uh, you know, look through and be like, okay, well, this one's probably my favorite or, or whatever. And um, I couldn't, I, I have not, so I went back through 1988, which is the year I was born, and I didn't find anything that where I was like, oh, that was my favorite movie and it won Best Picture. There's a couple of them that come close. There's a couple times where, like, a movie that was my favorite movie of the year was nominated for Best Picture, but didn't win, like Social Network or Big Short or things like that. But couldn't find anything. But then there's some there's a period of time, like some of the, some of the years in the '90s and the 2000s, which is like when I was a kid. Um, I just hadn't watched. I just haven't seen very many movies from those years, you know. And and so it's like there's movies that will pop up where it's like that's like not one of my favorite movies, but like. You know, 1996 or whatever, whatever year this was, where it's like, I guess probably, <laughs> my, favorite mo- probably my favorite movie from this year was probably Die Hard 3. And it's like, I, I like Die Hard 3. It's a, it's, I think it's an underrated movie as far as movies in the Die Hard series go. Uh, uh, it actually, yeah. I kind of like it better than Die Hard 1, which I knew it's kind of sacrilegious to say, but I, I like the movie quite a bit. But I, w- but I would never put it in like some, one of my favorite movies or anything like <laughs> right, that. Right, but like the, um, of that year, the pickings were so slim that... Y- yeah. And so I, but I was in 1994 today looking and seeing, and I was like, what's my favorite movie from 1994? And according to like what I can remember from Letterboxd, I have seen uh, 14 movies only that came out in 1994. And probably my favorite, and, but I'm looking at this list and probably the two movies that I liked the best. 1994 wasn't Jurassic Park, was it? That was like 1993. No, that's 1993, yeah. Okay. In 1993, it's like I haven't seen that many movies from that year either, but 1993 is the year that... Oh, so that's with uh, like a bunch of like good 
Right? Yeah, it's like, uh, well, so I haven't seen Schindler's List, but that came out that year too. But like, uh, that's where the Jurassic Park came out and The Fugitive and Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Uh, and so, like, lots to choose from there. But then 1994, uh, probably, I guess I would say, Clear and Present Danger, at least from memory, which is like, you know, a pretty sure. good yeah. Jack Ryan movie. And then, but then the, I think the only other one that would maybe like, I, you know, like, it's, like I like Speed, like Speed's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it might be Star Trek Generations, which is like not even one of the better <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> movies. And a lot of people hate that movie, but I, I say, but you, you, you do like I that one, like I think, it. better than I'm, most. Yeah, I'm definitely a Star Trek Or no, Insurrection's defender. the one that you really like. Well, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think Insurrection and, and Generations are both better than their reputations would, yeah. would suggest. And I'm... And I was, I was like, oh, I'm excited for like, you know, it won't be too long. It'll probably be like a little, little under a year before we watch our next, before we get to episode 100 and we're going to watch another movie. Yeah, like, oh, it'd be kind of fun if we watched, far, uh, yeah. watched one of the TNG ones. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So until, until proven otherwise, like Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's favorite movie of 1994, <laughs> uh, it could be Star Trek Generation. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, a show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And speaking of Star Trek The Next Generation, that is what we are watching today. We're watching Peak Performance, which is uh, Season 2, Episode 21 of TNG. Uh, the memory alpha for this one is kind of long, the, like the, the synopsis, I mean, which is, with the Borg threat in mind, Starfleet stages a war game simulation, Get it, put it pitting Captain Picard and the Enterprise against Commander Riker and the 80-year-old starship Hathaway. However, when the Ferengi suddenly attack, the Enterprise is crippled, forcing Picard into a seemingly no-win situation. This episode was written by David Kemper and directed by Robert Shearer. Uh, this episode rules. It's a lot of, it's so much fun. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, you know, usually when I see an episode name from season one or season two of TNG that I don't recognize, I think to myself, this probably isn't very good. Like, uh-huh. uh, you know, it, it's funny because also, like, if I see an episode from season one that I do recognize, I'm also like, then oh, you I'm, know for sure. That, that that it's, it's, it's probably pretty good. bad. Yeah, like, unless it's conspiracy or the neutral zone, or I guess the big goodbye, maybe, but that one's only okay. But, like, like if I see one, if I see, like, Justice or Skin of Evil or Code of Honor, I'm like, or, or The Naked Now, I'm like, oh boy. Like, oh, um, no. yeah. and, uh, but, yeah, so I was like, I did not remember what this episode was. And then when we started watching it, I was like, oh, it's this one. This one's pretty good, I think. And then I was I kept watching it. I was like, no, this episode's great. Yeah. This uh, is like a really, like, uh, yeah, definitely like one of the early the early gems of um, of TNG, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I watched it also. This is the second episode of um, TNG that I watched on Blu-ray, and it, it looks so much better. It's so fun. To, it's so fun to watch these on Blu-ray. I can't wait oh, until we bet. do. yeah. I can't. I can't wait until we do a um, uh, a, a TOS uh, episode so I can watch that on Blu-ray as well, which I think we are going to do in a few months. So that'll be that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, why don't you why don't you take us in uh, to this episode? I did not didn't really take notes on this one. I, I, I you told me before the call that you took some notes, which I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I sure I'll stuff I, to say. I, I but I was just kind of being entertained by this just, fun episode. Just watching of, a fun uh, episode of Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, that's nice to do every now and then. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's kind of been a while for us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, definitely it's been a while since we've had one that's this good. I think so. But yeah, go for it. Yeah. So the sort of the premise for this episode, which again is one of the is one of those that you just like is such a great idea that you just know is going to be fun right off the start. 
is that Starfleet has decided to do this kind of training, like war games exercise, where they split the Enterprise crew in half, and half of them are on the Enterprise, and then and being commanded by Picard, and then Riker gets to kind of handpick his own team and is given this essentially derelict old like constellation class ship and then they have like a simulated battle so they've replaced all the weapons with these like basically like laser tag lasers and and so Riker kind of picks his picks his team and goes and starts getting the sh- has to like get the ship ready and they have kind of a period of time before the the game is going to start um, and it's being supervised or overseen by this guy named Serna Kolrami, who is part of a... He's from a race that's sort of, like, legendary across the galaxy for their strategy, and, like, they're just these, like... They're not, like, strong warriors, but they're just incredible... They're considered, like, the experts on military strategy. Yeah, he he is a Zactarn, which um, my, I was watching this with my wife, and she said that... It just seems like they're an alien race who, like, they're th- the thing about them is that they just have really saggy faces. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of. He has these sort of. He's just really. He's really. He's got wrinkles. Yeah, he's like if Droopy Dog was an alien. <laughs> yeah, and he comes on the Enterprise and is just kind of, you know, very condescending and sarcastic, and especially kind of Picard points out that he's like especially just critical of. Riker and he's like Riker doesn't have a chance he's not actually as good as everyone says and clearly he's just gonna lose and all this stuff a great a great way to get me to not like someone is if they don't like <laughs> Riker yeah and I think uh, this is I guess skipping forward a little bit but when Picard kind of at some point confronts him on this and, and tries to get into like why are you so kind of like singling out my first officer and basically what he says is that from you know reviewing all of Riker's files that Riker doesn't take things seriously enough like he's too kind of happy and like makes jokes about things and like plays poker with the crew and is not kind of as sort of like stern and official as you need to be to be a Starfleet captain and Picard kind of counters that like that's just his style and like that's why like all of his crew loves him and is loyal to him and that sort of becomes their kind of point of uh, of why he doesn't like Riker and Picard says that like you know kind of continue it it does raise the question that you know i I think a lot of especially the early seasons of next generation are very kind of focused on establishing the like both establishing how good Riker is but then also having to deal with like if he is that good why is he still just uh picard's second in command it's he likes picard (laughs) yeah he he enjoys having picard be his captain yeah yeah and who wouldn't yeah, it's funny too because I think that like it's it's nice to kind of see how you know the movies a little bit, but then I'd say even more so like the this current generation of shows has kind of been like, yeah, you know, like and so then he became a captain later and he was great, you know, like yeah, uh, like he still is, has like nice. a like long and successful career ahead of him. Yeah, um, or even he you know, like the admiral at some point, didn't he? Is he an admiral in Picard? Or is he? Is he just a captain? I can't remember, I can't remember now. I mean, I know he's like retired in Picard, but when he like shows up at the end. I forget what they call him. Anyways, but yeah. I'm, I'm getting way too excited about Picard, by the way. Like, I, I had a dream uh, last night that was just... I had a dream last good. night. With, yeah, I had a dream last night that was like a very, very elaborate, a very fan service like, uh, <laughs> like, like episode of Picard that I was watching where, like, there was a bunch of characters from DS9 there, and they, like, 
it, it was like it was like a time travel based thing where like they were could like look at these alternate realities and and I was and just it was just like every Star Trek character that I liked was in it. And I, was, I woke up, I woke up and I was like, "You got to adjust your expectations." Yeah, I was about to say it's almost definitely not going to live up to no yeah. your, your fantasy dream, but hopefully it'll be good. Ezri Dax was there. Uh, Worf <laughs> was there. Anyway. Yeah, so one thing I really liked about this episode is that I get, there's like a thing that happens at the end, but this episode is really, really, really low stakes the whole time. But it's yeah, just, it is so just, just kind of like, like it's just a bunch of people like hanging out and like being nice to each other. Like, like, but like there's still a plot, but it's just like it's just a bunch of people who like enjoy each other's company being like, what if we tried to play like starship chess, basically? Yeah. Like, and it's just like fun yeah, to watch. I, I really enjoy the dynamic on Riker's ship because Riker, and I think this is kind of to demonstrate how good he is, like at leading people, because he goes and you know it, it starts with him kind of going and picking out like he gets Jordy and Worf to come with him and kind of knows exactly what to tell each of them that they'll be like, oh yeah, I'll definitely go with, like do this with you. Like I think Jordy actually already has like his his stuff packed and like has mm-hmm. a bunch of ideas of how he's going to fix up fix this uh, broken ship. And then he kind of convinces, you know, because Worf at first is like, this is stupid, like, there are no stakes, what's the point of, you know, like, pretending to fight if you're not actually, like, fighting or not in any danger? And then Riker convinces him, like, that it's, it is, like, very, like, honorable and, and kind of this, the amount of pride that you could get from being in a situation where there's, like, no way you're expected to win, right? Because it's, it's this ship that barely flies going up against the Enterprise, which is kind of the flagship of the federation at this point and like the best crew and the best ship um and he's like yeah but what if we actually did win morph's like oh yeah that'd be cool um and so yeah that them on the ship is so much fun because it's just them like kind of coming up with like clever ideas and stuff to do they take the and kind of the 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 ship doesn't have like they get kind of the impulse engines in but it doesn't have a functioning warp drive like, so the Geordi's kind of in the engine room going through the... And the, the warp engine has, like, you know, parts of it are broken. And then the actual antimatter, which is apparently kind of like... It's not really the fuel, but, like, part of... A thing that's it's the necessary. Ca- it's it's, it's the, the catalyst for the dilithium, I think. Yeah, for for the, the ship to actually go into warp. Just doesn't have any of it all. And so Wesley Crusher kind of cheats... <laughs> Oh, he definitely cheats, but it's like that's the that like that's the thing is that like they're told like be, be wily, you know like yeah. Uh, I I uh, this is yeah like I I really love this episode and I, like for so many reasons and I think like you know what I said about being low stakes is one of them and like just like the way that it but like I, you know I don't love Wesley but like I I liked that what he got to do in this where it's like yeah he does he does cheat but it's like he cheats like in the spirit of like the thing that they're doing which is like. Basically, the Enterprise is cheating by existing, and like right. have, they have to fight it. Like, yeah, you know, uh, and so he figures like... out this way to like sneak. It, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of like in the cards, a little, uh, you know, in a, in a way. But yeah, because what what he does is he's like, oh no, I. Ha-. <laughs> he's also not subtle about it at all because it's just like we don't have any antimatter, and he's just like, I just remembered, I have to go back to the Enterprise right now, and and basically kind of claims that like he has some science experiment that he was working on that he needs to you know shut down or fix or something and then and he so, gets there he's like "Ooh, it, it's actually degraded it, i actually need yeah. to beam it off the ship <laughs> it's gonna be right. dangerous <laughs> and, yeah and it turns out that his science experiment was essentially like making antimatter 
and so he just beams it over to to the Hathaway. Um, yeah. And now they have a little bit of antimatter. I I, w- I gotta say, like, too, like w- one of the things I love about this is that so there's a lot of Star Trek shows that I think Voyager does this a lot in particular, and there's but the, all the all the shows do it to a degree, where like they'll be like, okay, we have a problem. What if we did? Blah, 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 to it, you know, and you're like, okay, like, yeah. they just said some gibberish, and, and yeah. like, and the, the trick of it, I think, though, is that, like, it's almost always gibberish, but, like, if you can say the gibberish in a way where, like, you're like, oh, I get what they're saying, like, basically. Yeah, it seems like, like it would make sense, yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, I think that this episode really does a great job with that, where it's like, okay, well, like, well, like, like what is Worf doing with, like, the, when he makes the decoy ship, he's just kind of being, like, I could blah 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 blah, but then yeah. you're like, okay, so he's making a fake ship, and then like, it, you know, like he's making like a hologram basically, and then like, you know, Wesley is like, well, I have this thing, and it blah 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 blahs, but you're like, okay, but like he's using a way, he's he's figuring a way to like convert this thing to antimatter, yeah, and, basically. Where it's like, and, and then like those things matter, where it's not just like, oh, we're gonna do science, and then like we did the science, but then it's like, okay, so you, they've set up like, yeah, this like, is the if science the they're doing was already like a made-up thing it's like oh no they're hitting us with like a fluctuating tachyon beam we can't do anything about that and yeah. then someone's just like but what if you repolarize the director to disrupt tachyons and they're just like yeah. you're right that would work yeah that yeah. it's less yeah and this it's like they have like clear problems which is that like they don't have any weapons they don't have they don't they can't go anywhere they they, yeah. they don't you know like and they're like okay well these are our problems we could solve them by blah 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 but then the blah 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 actually is like we're consulting them by like figuring a way to make us feel by making a hologram by doing this stuff by by like by like you know picard's going to do this and so we know he's going to do that so we'll do this instead yeah. and then and then like and then like for like the, the third act of the show when like the frankie show up then you're like that's all been set up yeah and they so use it, kind of those same it yeah it all things. pays off yeah yeah it's really really well constructed even despite how how like casual it is you know yeah, it's very impressive, like a bit of storytelling. It, yeah, it is very, I feel like, effective storytelling of kind of that, like everything. I feel like it's one, like sometimes there are shows where this isn't the case, and this is very much one where by the end of it, you see that like everything that's happened up to this point, like was very intentionally put there for a reason. Yeah. Also, this episode is like a good wharf episode, which always gives it a little bit of like a bonus point in my book, especially during like this time period where like they were disrespecting that character so bad. To have him like basically come up with a solution that kind of beats Picard, and then at the end, and then saves also the beats Picard. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's like pretty, pretty good, pretty good yeah. stuff. But yeah. So keep um, going. Sorry, I, I, I just I'm so enthusiastic about this episode. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I will. I'll, I'll go ahead and go through the whole like a plot, and then we can maybe cycle back around for the b plot. Well, the b plot's also good. The good, b plot's good so B-plot. good. I, I, yeah. I really like this b plot too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and so so they kind of finally start this like exercise, and it starts with you know they they kind of like name off a couple of like random like ah he's performing the the Tulupian maneuver like I assumed he would, and they kind of you know sort of like move around each other, and then suddenly, and then Worf pulls this this trick that he had come up with, which is to make the right make a fake Romulan ship appear so that the Enterprise yeah. thinks like oh no, suddenly we're actually under attack in the middle of this. And so they turn around and like switch from their like simulated lasers to their actual weapons to get ready to fight it, which then just gives Riker's ship to like kind of get a bunch of free hits on them because they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. 
and it it works and Riker just kind of like laughs and they fly fly around and then I love too like Picard is not even mad like he's just like he's yeah just once so he realizes it him. yeah like like there's at one point where like uh where where uh Kalrami is like oh this Riker is is better than I thought he was and then Picard's just like. He's the best. And, like he's got this huge, like dopey smile on his face. Yeah. He's just like so, so happy that he's getting his butt kicked by Riker. Right. <laughs> it's so good. So good. Yeah, they they have a great relationship, I feel like. Yeah, and then and then after that, then another ship shows up, and this time it's a Ferengi ship. And Picard's just like, oh, they're like trying to do another fake again. And so he he kinda like leaves what happens is they they leave their shields off and their weapons off because they think it's just a fake ship. And then it turns out it's a real Ferengi ship. So the Ferengi attack them, and because they're not ready for it, they they're, they get essentially kind of, like, crippled. Like, their weapons get disabled, and I think their shields are down. And the, the Ferengi are basically like, this is, I will say, if I had one criticism of this, like, this is, like, clearly a pre-DS9 Ferengi appearance, and the Ferengi just aren't nearly as well, like, developed as they are later yeah, on. Yeah, it but is like, kind of that TNG Ferengi, where it's just like, we're bad and we're dumb and we want money yeah Yeah. and they're just like and basically they they're they just kind of have come up and they're like why are you like attacking your own ship and like clearly it must be because it has something valuable on it so we want it oh i wanted to check too and i i i i did i didn't recognize either of them but one of these one of those frangi is played by armin it is armin yeah the main one is okay he's doing a little bit more of that kind of like early frangi voice where like i think like the teeth don't fit as well in his mouth yeah but yeah i will say i unfortunately that kind of like spoiled the twist of the episode for me because he's like listed in the kind of the beginning of the show where they're like yeah i didn't have little credits running on the screen he's listed as one of the guest stars and so i'm like oh there's frangie at some point in this yeah but yeah yeah armin timmerman does play i think he he did two or three different times in in the next generation would play different frangie um, before they brought him on as Quark in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they they kind of come and, and are just like, we, you know, we're going to take this this old ship because we think it's valuable. And because the Enterprise has been kind of like disabled by being surprised by them, they have to figure out what they're going to do about it. And so they, you know, so they then kind of like talk with Riker's team, who's still on the, the Hathaway, and kind of come up with this strategy together. And so what they decide to do is, because the Hathaway has this, like, very small amount of warp drive that they've been able to to put together that they didn't use in the actual fight, um, and they're like, you know, it'll only work for, like, two seconds, but we can get warp speed. So the Enter- they decide to pretend to blow it up, so the Enterprise kind of shoots photon torpedoes at it, and then right before they explode, the ship jumps to warp, and then the Frangier think that... To, first of all, to try to kind of get the Ferengi to think like, oh, well, now there's nothing, you know, there's no, nothing valuable to profit from here, so there's no point in staying. But then after they do it, then Worf uses his fake ship trick again, so the Ferengi think that there's, like, more Federation ships on the way. Mm-hmm. And so they get scared and, and run away. And they do that, and it all works. <laughs> Although it does lead to... So this is something, I I don't know. I... Maybe you would be able to explain this because there's a line when they're discussing this plan and they're they're talking about you know like because they're this the warp drive is so kind of like jury rigged together that data's like you know like there's you know if it there's a possibility that it like would work but if it doesn't work that would be very unfortunate 
And then it cuts to Worf, who is like, yes, very unfortunate. We will be dead. And it's so great. And I don't know, like, why is that line just great instead of being terrible? Is it just because of the delivery? Is it just because, like, Michael Dorn's so good? Or Yeah, Michael Dorn knows how to knows how to deliver what he's given. Like, he he's... I think Michael Dorn is, like, low-key, like, one of the most underrated comic performers in Star Trek. Like... When he when he when they give him something funny to say, like he he just like he he's locked into that character even when like the writers aren't, you know, and so he knows how to deliver that stuff. Yeah, I don't know why it is that it's like it just is great, and like I like there's sometimes where you like laugh at it because you're just like that's terrible, and like that one you laugh at because it's just like oh that's so great, and like Worf's so great. But yeah, it has that kind of I don't know if it's that like somehow you know that like. The character is being completely sincere, but the actor knows yeah. how funny it is. Um, that yeah, it's just that's a, like the straight. I mean, like that like he he is like the ultimate straight man because like the straight man never know never realizes that like what he never thinks what he's doing is funny. It's and, funny. You know, and yeah. it's like and, and you know again like maybe the hardest I've ever laughed at anything in Star Trek is the. I object. I am not a married man because it's like man. there's never been a truer thing said, you know. Like, like, and he, and he's. It's not a joke to him. He's, he's very offended. Like he would, anyone would consider yeah. him to be a married man, you know. Like he, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He's great. He's great, and it's a, it's a crying shame that he's not been brought back into the new shows in some form. Uh, anyway, yeah, but yeah, so that's kind of the main sort of the main story of what's going on, which is just so much fun and great. And then the B-plot is about Data, which is, like, again, just a great, a very good, I think, Data arc, too, mm-hmm. of kind of his kind of continued journey of learning about himself and about humanity. It ties into the A-plot, too, because they both kind of focus around Kalrami and how much of, like, a huge prick Kalrami is. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, because, like, the other thing that kind of is going on in the A-plot is that, like, Karami just wants them to abandon Riker's ship when the Ferengi come. He gets like, really freaked out and he thinks that like yeah, that's true. He's just like oh, just let him, just let him capture the ship. Yeah, like, you kind of like cu- you know, you cut your, you lose, you sacrifice like forty people to save the whole, yeah. right? Like kind of from a like strictly like war strategy type of thing that makes sense. As you kind of cut your losses, you sacrifice a small group. Yeah, to Picard's like we're not succeed we're not with your it. larger force yeah yeah and they prove him wrong and so but then yeah so then this meanwhile like kind of on the other front of his strategic mind like this other thing is happening yeah so he's apparently this kind of world or not world but galaxy famous player of this game called stratagema which is as far as i could tell like holographic three-dimensional nine men's morris is what the board looked like yeah i don't know i yeah if you look at like a board of nine men's morris it looks like that but just like a bunch of them kind of stacked on top of each other where it's you have like three like rings of squares kind of inside each other but yeah it's very like they put these little things on their fingers and then they wiggle their fingers back and forth and on this different like kind of things move around and colors change on this holographic board and you're trying to it's very classic like fake video game yeah like this is what people do right they just kind of wiggle their fingers around (laughs) and like flashing lights change color not in not in actual like how it looks, but just in the vibe. It reminds me of like this this game that um, that James Bond has to play in the off brand James Bond and the Never Say Never Again, the one that Connery did after mm-hmm. he left the Eon movies. Like he has to he has to fight against this this like this henchman who has like all of these 
arcade games in his house, and then he has like one special arcade game where like you like if you if you lose you get like electrocuted through like through like the the joystick. Sure. And it's it's just like this weird like kind of like strategy game where you have to like have good reflexes and shoot shoot the other person's guy, and it's just like the way that they're all like. Where I was like, I, I was watching this and I was like, I don't really know how much how strategic this is as much as it is like just having good reflexes you know because like they're not really thinking of what they're doing they're just like they have these things hooked up to their fingers and then they have to like move their fingers really fast basically is what it yeah, seems like yeah it's just kind of like reaction time type thing mm-hmm. but yeah and so you know and they kind of demonstrate how good he is by like Riker before Riker leaves he's like you know I kind of want the honor of playing against a master of this game and so he like challenges him and kind of goes through things where he's like, oh no, I'm not expecting to win, I just want to like get to say that I played against, again, with kind of that Riker attitude of kind of a little like very, just kind of happy-go-lucky like just happy to, just thrilled to be here and like, this is going to be great and like, fun and maybe I can learn something from it and like, I don't actually take it like super seriously because I know that I don't have a chance of winning and he loses in like, you know, four moves or something like that. Well, the uh, the other the, this is also a great Another great Worf line delivery in this scene where Worf says that he wagered heavily that Riker will take Kalarmi past the sixth plateau, whatever that means. Right. Which, again, I asked my wife, I was like, what did he wager? Like, what, what is the form right. of currency he's wagering? <laughs> but then, and then he's like, if you do not, I will be irritated. <laughs> which is just a really good, yeah. really, really good line reading from Michael Dorn there. So Yeah. <laughs> and then Troy and Pulaski, who kind of otherwise didn't have anything to do in this episode decide to try to convince Data that he, he should try to play against this, uh, against Kolrami at, at Stratagema, because like, he's a computer, so obviously like he'd be perfect at it. Yeah, there's a little bit of the ongoing thing I don't like of, like, where Pulaski is just, like, mean to Data for no reason, where she's just like, hey, Data, you're a machine, you'd be great at this. Like, yeah. <laughs> whereas, like, you know, I think Troy is a little bit kind of like, oh, yeah, you should try it, Data. Like, maybe you'd like it and it'd be kind of fun to watch and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, she's just like, well, I find this other guy irritating, and so I would like, like, yeah, my, I'll just, like, I, I would like Watson my... to, 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 fight, to, to play take him down him, a notch, you know? yeah. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, is this the first Pulaski episode we've had? Have we, uh, we? We have to have done something from season two by now, right? I'll, I'll look while you while you talk. But yeah, because I I can't remember really getting into Pulaski, but there, she is a lot in this one. I think we've um, done like one other one, but I'm going to check while you you, okay. you keep explaining it. Um, but yeah, and so they play, and Kolrami still wins, um, and like fairly quickly too, kind of comparatively, and and it very much like like Data is just very like shaken by this whatever the android equivalent of that is which is kind of, and and kind of they use it to so basically data kind of just goes into his quarters and won't come out and anytime someone comes and tries to to approach him about it he says like you know i i lost to a like this life form in a game of strategy which like i shouldn't have so clearly that means that like there's some malfunction within my my programming and so, like, I, it's not safe for me to, to go back to the bridge until I can, like, find that malfunction and correct it. Which, like, I, I love how they did that. Because it's, I mean, first of all, it's one of those great examples of, like, basically, like, kind of everyone talking about how, like, Data doesn't have, like, human emotions or feelings or that. When, like, clearly he does. And he just, like, has kind of a different 
way of saying it, but the effect is still the same. Yeah, I think yeah, and that in that scene, and then he's like, "I'm not functional," and then at the end too, when he beats him, like the, those two moments, you're just like, "You have emotions, Dana. Yeah, you, you do. You yeah, you're you proud. Think you're you very happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because it's. I think it also one of those things that like when Star Trek does it well is so good, and sometimes they kind of like swing and miss on is how you can use a like situation. And I guess, like, not just Star Trek, but science fiction in general. I think where its real strength is, is you can use a situation that isn't directly relatable. Because, like, no one is a perfect android. But the principle of it is incredibly relatable, of that that feeling of just, like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe this is just personally relatable for me. But that just, like, if I can't be 100% perfect all the time, and, like, I'd made a mistake, then, like, what's the point of even trying or like i really just like can't be trusted to do anything because Mm -hmm. i might make a mistake Mm -hmm. when you know like especially someone like data because his whole concern is that i think he says something along the lines of you know like if i'm capable of like making mistakes or having errors then like everything i say to the cat like every recommendation i give the captain has to be treated with a degree of skepticism when in fact like that's just that's already true of kind of anybody else on the ship Right. Right. Like every everyone everyone on the crew is fallible and like the captain kinda has to weigh their different recommendations and end up making their decision and can't just kinda take what they say as absolute truth. So Data, even if he is flawed, which he isn't, is still like an incredibly good officer among others. But yeah, just kind of that it's yeah, it's it's so relatable to see kind of what happens to him is a very relatable thing of like having something like making a mistake or just having something not go your way and then kind of feeling bad about it and shutting down and being kind of shaken you're having your confidence shaken and stuff like that and it's just a, such a good job of having a relatable version of that happen to a character like using a character like data that shouldn't have emotion to still show relatable experiences mm-hmm. that was really really good yeah it's good and then yeah then it's it's you know then the the denouement of it is really good too. Yeah, because well, so first then, kind of Picard, you know, because both Troy comes in and Pulaski comes in, and they kind of like try to talk him into coming back to the ship, and he's like, "No, I have to do my, you know, diagnostics and figure out what's wrong with me." And eventually Picard comes in and just says, basically like, "I don't have time for this. I don't care if you're perfect or not. You're still a really good officer, and I need you on the bridge." Yeah, and kind of orders him back and basically tells him to like Shut suck up. it up and get back to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, like sometimes kind of in a nice way, though, too. Like, yeah, it's, it's like in it's a like, like, very a, like a reassuring, confident way. Um, you know, he has kind of the, the, that great line of just that it's one of the last things he says to him is that it's it's possible to make no mistakes and still lose, and like that's not weakness; that's just part of life, which is really good. And so, uh, but yeah, and so then kind of after after the whole like main episode has been wrapped up and they've escaped the Frangie and everything kind of the last little button on the end is they're back like data and Kolarami are back playing the game again and like the scores keep kind of going higher and higher and higher and eventually Kolarami just gets incredibly flustered and frustrated and like throws his little finger things down and and storms off and they talk to data and they're like oh data you finally did it you beat him and he said well like no i didn't what i decided to do was just kind of change the change my goal was that instead of because before, like, I was trying to win, 
and like he was kind of making his decisions based on the assumption that I was trying to win. So if I started trying, if I started not trying to win, but just trying to not lose or to keep him from winning, like essentially kind of playing to keep everything even and keep it at a draw, I could do that forever. Mm. And then, then the the other guy like gets so frustrated with that, that he, that then data ends up winning. So. Which is kind of funny because like, that's, that's a really horrible way to play a game. Except for that, not against this guy, because they've spent the whole entire episode establishing how, how much of a pain in the butt this guy is, you know? Yeah, like, that it, he is someone that would, that it is exactly how he would react, that, like, yeah. if he can't win, he'd just get, like, really, really pissy about it. So, yeah, it's, and then and then Data, you know, kind of has this little moment of, of pride where he's like, I did beat him, or, like, I, what's the... He, he said, I busted him I, up. I busted him up, said. yeah. Yeah. And he kind of, you can almost see him smile, you know, at the end. Right, at the and that kind of like, away. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, by the way, uh, we have done one episode with Pulaski in it so far. We did uh, Contagion, the one with the computer virus that attacks the ship. Oh, like, uh, okay. Was Portal. She's in that one. remember her being in that. <laughs> yeah, she's sure. not one of the main characters, but she. I, yeah. I double-checked and she is in it. So. Interesting. That's the one where she's like... Where like the computer is is messing up because there's a virus on oh, it. Oh, so that's she, right. And she does the whole like she like is like she has to like make a splint, and and then her nurse is like, "What's a splint?" You know, like yeah. Uh, and she's like, "Kids these days don't know how yeah. to really <laughs> don't. practice medicine." Yeah, right. that's right. That's right. Yeah, it it does feel like they like were for whatever reason like, what if we, what if we had bones on the show again? Yeah, it really because yeah. she doesn't like she doesn't like yeah it's 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 transparent because she doesn't even she doesn't like. Uh, transporters like he doesn't and stuff yeah. like that too yeah i will say anyway. there is just something in her in like diana moldar's like she, she's not bad but there's just something in like her delivery or her acting like she just feels like an actor from a different generation well she is she's in she's in an yeah, episode of uh, yeah TOS. but she just kind of has that more just kind of like classical like like she feels like someone that's been kind of like dropped there from the 60s yeah do you have any other thoughts on this episode i i i like this one a lot I thought it was really good. Yeah, I agree. the 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 only thing that I kind of got a little bit like trekky nerd about was was I wonder if it was like an intentional choice because the the ship that Riker has in this is a it's called the Constellation class. It's like that one that has the four nacelles kind of out in a square behind yeah, it. Yeah, I I like that ship design a lot. Yeah, but that's also that was that's also the the same type of ship that Picard's first ship was, the Stargazer. Because mm. he mm-hmm. has, and they even showed in this episode, like, he has, like, a model of it in his ready room um, mm. of, like, his old ship that's the same, it's the same, like, type of ship. I wonder if they, like, were trying to do that on purpose and do, like, a parallel there, or if, or if it's just kind of their standard, like, go-to for old Starfleet ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You you mentioned a model of it that reminded me of that episode of Lower Decks where they have to Breach the warp core of their model of their model oh, right. ship. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, we'll have to, we'll have to keep we'll have to keep an eye out for old old Star Trek ships and yeah, see, see if, if they just always if they keep that. on using Constellation class. Well, well, thank you everybody for listening. We come out every other uh, week, um, every other Sunday. So you can come back in a couple of weeks to watch Fallen Hero, which is season one, episode 23 of Enterprise. So you can come back a couple weeks for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at outofcontracts.popping.com. 
or you can uh, follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also check out the other shows in the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's uh, Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. And there's That's Not How Science Works, which is a science and pop culture podcast. So check any of those folks out if you're interested in that kind of thing. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.